On this week's Critical Grass podcast, we discuss media campaigns, obstacles to legalization, and the alcohol industry while taking a stroll through Berlin. Forget it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical Grass is stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in thing. The hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait and see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts. Critical grass. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Deswegen muss ich nächstens wieder hin. My name is Georg Wurt. I'm from Berlin, Germany, and I'm the head of the German Cannabis Association. Alle noch in meinem kleinen Koffer drin. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Ich hab noch einen Koffer in Berlin. Or I still have a suitcase in Berlin, originally performed by the famous Berlin-born actress Marlena Dietrich, and wonderfully covered and graciously made available by the Neue Ulm Theater for copyright-free use so that people like me can properly introduce this week's guest. Since 2002, Georg Wurth has been the head of the German Cannabis Association, or the Deutsche Handverband, as it's known in German, Some of you may have already heard of Georg and the association he represents. After all, he is incredibly active in all forms of media, including the social kind. His organization's flyers, posters, stickers, balloons, ads, and all sorts of different promotional material can be found in and around Berlin, as well as other major German cities. He regularly puts up vlogs about cannabis-related news and events around the world, and he was even on a TV show called Millionärswahl, in which he competed with other contestants for a chance to win 1 million euros. And he won! With his winnings, he was able to significantly expand the Deutsche Handverband in the form of more staff, a new office, a video room, and this also helped the association create campaigns to bring the topic of legalization of cannabis to the general public. The biggest campaign was to broadcast the first German commercials on cannabis as medicine, decriminalization of consumers, and regulation of existing cannabis markets. Georg has his sights set on legalization in Germany, he's very focused on what he does, and has a passion for cannabis that few people can rival. I managed to catch up with him after his speech at the Hanfparade, or Cannabis Parade, which is held annually in Berlin in early August, and I must say it had a pretty peculiar vibe, as there were thousands of people attending the event, the atmosphere was very festive and positive, and it felt as if there were a celebration going on. However, cannabis is still very much illegal in Germany, though some gains have been made recently. I asked Georg how far we are from seeing legal cannabis in the country, despite the progress that has been made to date. Well, that's uh, very hard to predict exactly. Um, That depends uh, most, I think, on the international um, progress we see, if it's going fast forward or not so fast, uh, especially in Europe, uh, when and what will be the first European countries to legalize, probably not Germany, 
um, and now we have a conservative government again. Uh, last year it seemed a little bit like maybe it could be a conservative green and liberal uh, government, but uh, well, that didn't happen. So now we've got the same one uh, like before and they will very probably not legalize cannabis completely in this period now. Um, but uh, is possible that we see some bigger steps uh, into the direction of decriminalization of uh, consumers uh, or model projects, scientific model projects in uh, certain cities uh, to have uh, legalization uh, like in a small laboratory, like thousand people getting legal cannabis and scientists uh, see how, what, comes, what comes out. That is uh, still possible in this period. With the current conservative government, Angela Merkel's CDU-CSU coalition, legalization in Germany doesn't look realistic. However, there are many signs of hope that suggest prohibition is crumbling. Earlier this year, for the second year in a row, the International Cannabis Business Conference, or ICBC, was held in Berlin. Guests included several North American and European growers, entrepreneurs, and activists, and the keynote address was given by none other than the legendary Henry Rollins of Black Flag fame. Other locations for the ICBC have included San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Barcelona, you know those ultra-conservative prohibition-loving cities. Out of all of those cities, only Berlin currently does not have a regulated cannabis market. But given the current trends, a legal market does not seem unrealistic in the near future. As late as 2015, there were talks of opening an experimental Amsterdam-style coffee shop in the district of Kreuzberg, which, to put it mildly, was a convenient place to find illegal substances, cannabis included, to the point where it became a nuisance and not just to passers-by. In order to combat the large number of street dealers, the district wanted to authorize legal sales much like in the Netherlands, so as to curb street dealers while meeting demand at the same time. Ultimately, this never came to fruition as the Federal Institute of Pharmaceuticals shot down the whole plan. But if the conference locations are any indicator, Berlin would become the largest city in the EU with a legal cannabis market, and if Berlin goes the way of Canadian and some US cities, the rest of the country and the EU is likely to soon follow. With a population of 82 million, Germany is the most populous EU country and is also the largest economy in Europe and the fifth largest globally. Once you crunch the numbers, you'll realize that this is a trend that is very difficult to stop. I asked Georg if Europe going fully legal is a reality in the near future. Yes, definitely. This, uh, the whole issue is very much bound into international uh, treaties and so on. Um, and it were international forces and powers uh, which uh, made cannabis illegal in the whole world. Not every single country came to the idea, well, it seems to be sensible to, de to, to forbid uh, hemp. Uh, it was uh, more forced by the United States uh, and the war on drugs. Um, and now the whole system implodes from there. Um, and maybe 10 years ago I heard from politicians, yeah, you might be right, legalization might be sensible, but we can't do that because of the international treaties and so on. And now we see it is possible. If Uruguay can do it uh, under the treaties, uh, why shouldn't Germany can do it? And it's also not a question of a very theoretical thing anymore when people said, well, 
it, it could be good, but it could be also bad, and we don't know, and it's something completely unknown, this legalization. And now we have uh, TV pictures all the time from these uh, nice and clean shops in Colorado and so on, and that makes a huge difference. And um, when it comes to the neighbors uh, and not just the overseas somewhere, that will make a difference again, when the first European countries will act. And they are already, if you look to Spain uh, with the kind of the social clubs um, or the discussion in Switzerland is uh, very far, um, Netherlands uh, also going forward a little bit, um, so it's uh, hard to predict what will be the first European country. So as some of you might already know, it was the US that threw down the gauntlet on cannabis and forced many other countries to do so as well. And it's also the U.S. where prohibition is collapsing from within, despite the country putting pressure on other countries to maintain prohibition at the same time. But there is progress here and there throughout Europe, be it the social clubs in Spain, the cultivation of plants high in CBD and low in THC in Switzerland, or decriminalization and depenalization in places like Portugal and Norway. Currently, there is no clear indicator as to which country will be like Uruguay or Canada in which prohibition is lifted nationwide. But Georg is certainly hopeful and optimistic about the chances of Germany becoming a legal market. So to him and many others, it's a matter of when and not if. I asked him what sort of model he would like to see implemented in Germany. I would like a mishmash uh, of everything. Um, that's the thing um, we have what is our task now, to, to shape the legalization to um, sensible regulations, to, to give the people the right to grow their own, to grow together like in a social club, but also to have a good shop where they can go and where they have people who know what they sell. Uh, I, I don't know where, where, where it's going to get at the end. I'm sure we will have those shops. Uh, it will be a commercial model with a private um, uh, shops, um, but um, for example, it's a question: Will that be uh, a landscape of uh, huge um, companies like uh, Marlboro or something uh, having 80% of the market, or will it more be like uh, little um, businesses and uh, maybe? biological marijuana grown by your neighbor or something, uh, that will be the decision of the consumers at the end probably. So a mix of dispensaries, pharmacies and social clubs with locally grown product is something Georg wouldn't mind having and he's not ruling out the market being driven by consumer demand, provided of course companies like Marlboro don't dominate the market first and dictate the options available. Personally, I see the pharmacy route being the most likely in Germany as the country already passed a medical cannabis law, though it has its issues and many things still need to be worked out before cannabis becomes readily available to all those in need. Since legalizing medical cannabis in 2017, the number of applications for patients in Germany to be reimbursed went from 1,100 to 16,000. You can call that a slight bump, a mere uptick. From a medical standpoint, the stigma of cannabis is slowly disappearing. Socially, it doesn't seem to be a great taboo either. I asked Georg what he thinks the biggest obstacle to legalization is. I think it's a matter of fear. Um, every argument uh, is uh, for legalization. There is no really sensible argument uh, to, to keep this um, prohibition. 
but uh, there are fears on the other side. What about the children and what about the people who uh, need uh, treatment because of their, their cannabis consumption, um, especially moms, for example, uh, don't like legalization because of that. And we've uh, got to the point uh, to let the people lose those fears uh, from legalization. And that uh, goes through to police. Police is pressing, pressing hard uh, to keep everything as it is. And the Christian Democrats um, have um, law and order as a kind of part of their um, mission. You know, there's not much where you can say what do they stand for, uh, what is conservatism or something. But law and order is still a point uh, where you can say, well, uh, that's a party of law and order. And so it's uh, difficult for them to say, well, uh, law and order, fine, but let's legalize. That doesn't fit into such a concept. A matter of fear. Fear is usually the biggest factor preventing change, as it begins and ends with the individual. You have fear of concerned mothers. No one wants to get in the way of an angry mom. The wrath of an upset matriarch is a solid reason for not getting on their bad side, no matter how big or small they are. You also have fear of the police, as no one wants to have their skull cracked and get arrested and have a criminal record for daring to use a natural medicine. And then there's also politicians' fear of not looking credible and ultimately losing their jobs. However, this won't-someone-please-think-of-the-children policy doesn't necessarily work to prevent kids from taking drugs. Just ask Junior how easy it is for him to buy pot at school. Nor is it necessarily a good idea to ban and stigmatize a substance that can be used to effectively treat children for crippling conditions such as epilepsy. It's bad enough those families have to deal with an incredibly painful situation in which one of their members twitches on the ground while they can only look on helplessly in despair, only to get labeled as drug pushers and irresponsible parents. With the prevalence of alcohol, opioids, and other prescription drugs, cannabis should be the least of people's concerns with respect to children. Especially when, according to the World Health Organization, more than 3 million people, mostly men, died in 2016 from consuming too much alcohol. Won't someone please think of the alcoholic males? Or are they too busy passing anti-cannabis legislation? As far as law enforcement is concerned, earlier this year, the German Association of Criminal Investigation Departments, or the BDK as it's locally known, declared its support for legalization of cannabis, claiming that alcohol and tobacco are greater threats. The Schildowerkreis, which is a network of over 100 legal professors and experts in favor of legalization, claimed that prohibition leads to more crime and also called for the existing drug laws to change. However, many people in law enforcement are happy to keep making arrests and issuing fines as it keeps the police busy. In other words, it's a convenient jobs program at the taxpayer's expense, although it results in increased crime and higher usage rates. Makes perfect sense, huh? Politicians, especially those who claim law and order is their jam, would look awfully silly if they suddenly did an about-face and said, Hey, you know what? This stuff ain't so bad. Sorry about all the arrests and calling you criminals, guys. That was our mistake. Just remember to send us that tax money, okay? So logic and reason aren't necessarily appealing to those in charge, even in law and order countries like Germany. Thankfully, if you're a medical cannabis patient, you don't have to worry about anything, right? I asked Georg how difficult it is for cannabis patients in Germany to access their medicine. 
I would say it is still quite difficult uh, because um, first thing uh, you don't find a doctor. Many regions, smaller cities in southern uh, Germany, for example, uh, there is no single doctor who is willing to prescribe cannabis. They are, they've also fears, uh, they sometimes also still think uh, it's a bad drug. I give you opiates uh, for your pain, I give you Ritalin for your um, RDIS, um, but no cannabis, that's a bad drug. And uh, it's also difficult for them to prescribe it. They're, that's a side regulation, which uh, is not like everything else. It's not routine. Uh, they have to, to read a lot about it before they start and so on. They have to make uh, some scientific uh, programs and uh, tell the government about their patients and so on. So some of them just say, well, that's too big effort to do that. And uh, if you get your doctor, then you come to other problems like uh, will the health insurance pay or not? Will they uh, accept my uh, condition as a severe illness? Um, and you also have to uh, try every other medicine before and then say, well, it doesn't work or it has too much many side effects. And then you can uh, get uh, cannabis uh, paid by the health insurance. And then you've got the problem um, that uh, some of the sorts are not available. Maybe what sends on your prescription, it's uh, always just one kind, not uh, cannabis as such. And uh, if that is not in the pharmacy, uh, well, you have to wait. Um, and if you pay it yourself, uh, because the health insurances don't pay, you have to face very high prices in Germany. Uh, the stuff is uh, more than three times more expensive than exactly the same thing in the Netherlands. So Ritalin, whose common side effects include nervousness, agitation, anxiety, insomnia, stomach pain, loss of appetite, weight loss, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, palpitations, headache, vision problems, increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, sweating, skin rash, psychosis, numbness or cold feeling in your hands or feet, other symptoms include sudden death, heart attack, or stroke in people with heart problems. That's apparently okay, whereas cannabis, whose side effects include increased appetite, laughter, sleep, and the occasional anxiety, and a lethal overdose rate of a whopping zero in the past ever, that's evil. So in addition to the stigma and ignorance, it's hard to find a doctor to prescribe you cannabis, Doctors have to go through many hurdles to be allowed to prescribe it, and cannabis is treated as a last resort medication. So even if you manage to get some cannabis prescribed, they might not have the strain you need. But let's say you somehow manage to get past all of those hurdles. You still might not get the medication refunded, meaning you are paying out of pocket, and that can get prohibitively expensive. Which is why many cannabis patients in Germany are forced to turn to the black market, grow their own, or make trips to neighboring countries like the Netherlands. Problem solved, right? Yes, but then if you buy it in a coffee shop in uh, Amsterdam, uh, you will get caught here in Germany and uh, get your trial. Ah, yes, the old getting arrested and being put on trial caveat. So if you're a patient in Germany, you're at the mercy of several authorities before you can receive treatment, and there's still no guarantee. Seems a little unfair, to say the least. I also wanted to ask Georg whether there was any resistance coming from the alcohol industry. 
They, I haven't seen much efforts uh, from that direction here in Germany. We see it in the States uh, where, where some breweries, for example, pay a lot of money in the campaigns against legalization. But um, that's um, shrinking in the States. Uh, now alcohol industry seems to, uh, to get comfortable with this or, or they realize that they can't stop it. It's unstoppable in the States. And now they say, I've, I've seen that this week, um, that they say, well, uh, we are okay with legalization, but uh, please uh, give the same regulations to cannabis than for alcohol to get a fair uh, competition uh, surrounding. And some of them uh, are um, looking for getting into the business themselves. So big alcohol is also slowly getting in on the action. They see the writing on the wall and want to join the party. Currently, you already have several cannabis-flavored beers available, and this past summer, Lagunitas launched Hi-Fi Hops, a non-alcoholic hoppy sparkling water containing THC as well as CBD. The company, which is owned by Heineken, is the first big beer brand to enter the U.S. psychoactive drinks market. Let that sink in for a second. Could Germany be far behind? Public opinion, even in a country where beer is treated as a human right, is slowly changing in favor of cannabis. This is, of course, familiar to Georg, who has been involved in changing public opinion for several decades now, but I wanted to know what it was like for him at the start before he conducted his campaigns and appeared on TV. Yeah, uh, there I see a lot of change regarding that personally, but also uh, if I look to the media and what people are talking about. And that, in that time, in the 90s, I was kind of the crazy guy with a crazy idea uh, which will never come up and uh, we had maybe 10 or 15 percent of the population uh, favoring legalization and now the issue is mainstream if you uh, see it in the media and uh, the experts, more and more experts uh, from, from many different sides um, do favor legalization now and uh, I've got a lot of positive feedback uh, now. So it looks like things are going mainstream in Germany, which means they will be going mainstream in other parts of Europe as well. I asked Georg where he thinks we will be in five years' time. Well, it's hard to predict uh, for um, such a clear point in time. Uh, it would be maybe easier to, to talk about 10 years. I, I hope that we've got it done in Germany in 10 years. If we get it done in five years, well, that's... Uh, I don't know, that depends on the next elections, it depends on the international um, progress and so on. Um, but I do think um, that we will have um, in five years at least double as much people living in legalized countries than now. We have uh, more than 100 million people now living in states where it's completely legal. So without the Netherlands, for example, they didn't regulate uh, the uh, growing and wholesale and so on. So completely legal with Canada now we have more than 100 million and in five years I think it's two or three hundred million maybe more. Globally, Georg believes we will see a legal market of two to three hundred million people soon, about half the population of Europe. Not bad considering there were zero countries with legal cannabis markets just a few years ago. With the United States and Canada quickly embracing legalization, I wanted to ask Georg whether he thinks the developments in North America are a factor in the direction Germany and Europe as a whole are taking? Well, 
definitely there are other factors, but this, this is one factor. Um, see uh, legalization of cannabis as medicine in Germany. I know that they were looking to Canada very closely, what happens there, how do they regulate it, uh, which uh, mistakes uh, they made, and uh, to, they tried to make it better here. Uh, not very successful, but they, they do look to Canada and they do look to the States and um, yeah, and uh, they, they now some of them, the ones against legalization, like our drugs are Mortler, they uh, tell all the time uh, there are big problems in uh, Colorado um, with legalization that uh, more and more young people consume and so on, but that's not the truth. Um, every fact is fine from legalization there and people like it and still want it they don't want to get rid of it um, and young people don't consume more than before so uh, this is now a question of uh, which scientists you ask and uh, where the data comes from uh, that you use it's more like a PR war than a fact war at the moment obviously there's still a lot of work to be done and the day we can walk into a dispensary or social club in Germany are still a ways away. But at the very least, legalization proponents have the facts on their side. Georg believes it's more of a public relations issue than an argument over statistics. But PR is Georg's strength, considering he's been doing this for so many years now. I asked him which of his activities he believes have been most effective in changing people's opinions. That's hard to say. I would say probably media. Media is uh, which which is so many people, and um, if my voice is uh, every week, um, almost every day, in the media, or the voice of my colleagues at the German Cannabis Association and, and from our local groups, meanwhile, also uh, that reaches so many people that changes the mind uh, of the whole society, um, and I think um, well that may be the biggest factor. We we want to have a majority in the public opinion for legalization before we can really get a real big breakthrough. Georg and the Deutsche Handverband are putting on the pressure quite heavily as far as media presence is concerned and are doing all they can to combat the decades of propaganda and misinformation which cannabis opponents have been spreading. For any meaningful breakthrough to happen, we need the majority of the population on board. So what can the average citizen do if he or she wants to help change the current situation? Well, say your opinion as loud as you dare, I would say. Uh, it's not easy to say for countries where you can uh, will get very big problems if you tell uh, your opinion. So uh, we are still here in a country with free speech and I never had problems with that, doing it 20 years and being one of the most uh, well-known figures here calling for legalization. Uh, the state never came after me because of that. Um, and where this is also, well, then say your opinion. That doesn't mean that you are a consumer, that doesn't mean uh, that you do something illegal, it's just your opinion and that uh, should be all right. Georg and many other activists in the West are quite fortunate in that there are free speech laws to protect the view that cannabis should be made legal, not just for medicinal purposes, but for recreational as well. So if you live in a place that allows you to freely express your views, make the most of it, as there are plenty of people who don't have that right and could benefit from a few allies. As Georg said, 
You don't have to be a consumer or a patient to be in favor of legalization, whether for medical, industrial, or recreational use. If you're interested in finding out more about Georg or the German Cannabis Association, you can find them by going to www.hanfeban.de. You can find a link to their website in the description. And with that, we say goodbye to this week's guest. Thank you, Georg, for the, uh, the chat, and let's uh, all have uh, fun at the Hanfparade today in Berlin. Yeah, let's walk it. And walk it, we did. It took a couple of hours, but it was a lot of fun seeing so many people out and about, loudly and proudly, declaring their support for cannabis legalization. It was quite inspiring, and it only boosted everyone's morale. It's still unclear, however, how much longer we'll have to keep marching, organizing, and protesting in Europe and North America, but we're getting there city by city, country by country. You may have also noticed a fair amount of background noise and the sudden appearance of loud techno music, for which I apologize. However, this is Germany, and the stereotypes about Germans and techno music are all true. I think I even spotted a very well-medicated techno viking somewhere out there. If you haven't heard of the techno viking, do yourself a favor and check him out on the intertubes. Trust me, it'll be worth it. That does it for episode four of the Critical Grass podcast. Again, my thanks go out to Georg Wurt for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with me. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it on your preferred social media platform or wherever you distract your friends at work. My name is Bogdan. Bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss.